Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still here with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the, all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you are walking along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Clophus, asked him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? <clears throat> what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in the word, and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our, our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the Christ, sorry, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going on further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road 
and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told, told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. While they stood still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened the mind so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you to what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The ascension, when he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Please leave your Bibles open there at Luke 24. Let's pray before we get into God's Word. Father God, we pray this morning as we celebrate the good news of the resurrection that your Holy Spirit would guide us, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, that our hearts would rejoice at the wonderful news that Jesus is risen. Amen. Well, as the story goes, there was once a young American engineer who'd been sent to a job in Ireland by his employer to work in a new electronics plant. It was a two-year assignment, and the young man, well, he took it on because it was his opportunity to make enough money to be able to marry his longtime girlfriend and to be able to pay for a, a, save up a deposit on a house. But while he was working in Ireland, well, his girl remained back in Tennessee. They wrote to each other on a regular basis. But the, as the lonely weeks went by and the stresses of a long-distance relationship began to take their toll, and his girl, knowing that there'd be attractive local girls around, well, she began to express her doubts about whether he would remain faithful. The young engineer wrote back to her trying to quell her fears. And he told her that he paid no attention to those girls. He promised not to live and look their direction. 
Although he did write that at times he was tempted, but he was saving himself for her. But in the next letter that he received from his girl, he received a package. And in it was a letter from his girl and a harmonica. She wrote, I'm sending this to you so that you can learn to play it and, when, and have something to take your mind off those girls. When he wrote back to her, he said, thanks for the harmonica. I'm practicing it every night and thinking of you. When the two-year year assignment was over and it was time for him to return back to Tennessee, he excitedly jumped on the first plane he could get, his, get onto and to be reunited with his girl. And as they met in the airport, he raced over and rushed up to her as though he was going to hug her. But to his surprise, she put out a hand to stop him and said, just hold on there a minute. Before there'll be any serious hugging or kissing, let me hear you play that harmonica. Sometimes we all need proof. It's reassuring when the things that we've been depending on are proven to be reliable. When that important piece of machinery that we need for sowing or for harvest or whatever else does what we're relying on it to do. Or when that person that we're depending on for help turns up just as they said they would. And the more we are depending on that thing, the more important it is to us to have proof that what we are relying on is dependable. So today, as we look at the final section in the book of Luke, we're going to be looking at the proof that God has given us the proof of his love for those who trust in him. Proof that Jesus didn't just die, but that he died for our sins. And proof that Jesus of Nazareth is who he says he is. So we look at Luke's account of the resurrection. It's very clear that Luke is giving us a very frank account of the events that took place. Luke isn't ashamed to show us the doubts and the fears of the disciples and those who were present after the crucifixion. He makes no effort to hide the fact that the first witnesses of the resurrection were women. And in those days, women were considered to be unreliable witnesses in that culture. What we read in these verses is an honest, gritty account of what took place and if you remember all the way back to the very first verses of Luke you remember that Luke said that this book of his this gospel was written to give an orderly account of what took place and so as he provides this orderly account of the resurrection nothing is being whitewashed everything is being laid bare Scene one, the tomb is empty. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, a small group of women took some spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb where Jesus was laid. When they arrived, they found that the giant stone that was in front of the entrance of the tomb had been rolled away and there was no body inside. You can imagine at first they would have been a bit confused. 
Then they would have wondered what had happened to Jesus' body. And then you can imagine how upset they would have been, assuming that he'd been taken or stolen or something like that. Then all of a sudden, two men in bright, shining clothes appeared beside them. Now, these men were, of course, angels. And they asked the women, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And they reminded the women that Jesus, what Jesus had told them back in Galilee, that Jesus would be delivered into the hands of sinful men crucified and on the third day rise again and as the women heard their words they remembered what jesus had told them can you imagine all of the emotions that these women were going through they had just been grieving jesus death they were among some of his closest companions they were frightened by the presence of these men in bright shining clothes and now all of a sudden they're excited by the good news that he might be risen you can imagine they probably ran the whole way back to where the disciples were staying eager to tell them what they just discovered but when they got back to the 11 all of them except for peter well they thought the women were speaking nonsense it was only Peter that went to go and check it out. He ran to the tomb to go and see this for himself. He was looking for the proof of what he really, really wanted to be true. Scene two. Jesus takes a walk with some of his disciples. We're told in verse 13 that two of Jesus' followers were walking on a road to the village of Emmaus. One of them was named uh, Cleopas, and the other one isn't named in Luke's account. Now, what's interesting is that Cleopas wasn't one of the 11. He was a follower of Jesus, but he wasn't an apostle or one of those close disciples of Jesus. Which means that unless this unnamed person that was with Cleopas was, Jesus' first appearance after these women was to some other followers of Jesus rather than the 11. And as these two men were walking along the road, well, they were discussing everything that had happened the weekend before. They would have been talking about how Jesus was arrested. They would have been talking about the way the Jewish leaders had stirred up the crowd and made all sorts of false accusations against him. And, of course, they would have been talking about the crucifixion. These two men seem to have been talking all of this through as they were processing everything that had happened and why Jesus hadn't given them the victory that they were expecting. But as they made their way down the road, Jesus walked up to them and joined in on the conversation. They don't seem to have recognised him at this point. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Now, Jesus asked this not because he didn't know, of course, because he, but because he wanted to have them tell him what they knew or what they understood. He told Jesus that 
the man that had been crucified was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. They told him that the chief priests and the Jewish rulers had handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they told him they had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. They told him about the women and what they had said about the empty tomb. These men had put their hope in Jesus and now their hope in him was being tested. The last few days for these men had been extremely traumatic. They were now questioning everything they knew about Jesus. What these men needed in their time of doubt was some proof, some hard evidence that what they had believed in was still true. So Jesus explained everything to them, beginning from Moses and through the prophets. He explained that the Christ would have to suffer these things and then enter his glory. Then as they finally came to the village, which is called Emmaus, Jesus pretended that he was going to keep on traveling on. They strongly urged him to stay with them, and he agreed. That evening they sat down and they broke bread. Jesus took the bread and he he broke it, and he blessed it and gave it to them. And when he had done this, their eyes were open, and they realized who it was. But just as suddenly as they realized that Jesus was right in front of them, he was taken away from them. And they marveled at what had just happened. Verse 33 tells us that they were so amazed that they got up and returned to Jerusalem. Now, this was most likely at nighttime in the dark because they'd only just had their evening meal. These men now had their proof, their hope in Jesus was not in vain. And so when they got to the place where the 11 were, they exclaimed, it is true, the Lord has risen. Scene three. Jesus appears to his followers in Jerusalem. While the two were still telling this to the 11 about what Jesus had said to them, Jesus appeared right there in the midst of them right there among them. And even though they'd only just been listening to what these two men were saying, when they saw Jesus, they were afraid and they thought they were seeing a ghost. Jesus showed them his hands and his feet, but they still didn't seem to believe. So he asked them for something to eat because dead people don't eat anything. And he gave them some, they gave him, him some fish and he ate it in front of them. You can imagine their eyes being wide open, watching him with every single mouthful. And Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. When they heard this, their eyes were opened and they believed that Jesus is risen. They had all of the proof that they needed. And now that they understood why all this had to take place, Jesus told them that they would now be his witnesses of all of these things. They and all those who follow after them 
will be the ones charged with the responsibility of sharing this good news. Jesus then led his disciples out to somewhere near Bethany, somewhere remote most likely, and he lifted up his hands, he blessed them, and he was taken up to heaven. At first, the disciples had doubted the testimony of what the women had said about the empty tomb. At first, the two men on the road had doubted whether Jesus would be the one who would redeem a people for himself. At first, the disciples doubted that he has risen, even after hearing their testimony, even after seeing Jesus for themselves. But as Jesus opened the scriptures, first to the two men on the road and then to his disciples in Jerusalem, their eyes were opened and they believed the good news that Jesus is risen. Good news that he has risen from the grave because it's the proof of God's love for those who trust in him. The resurrection proves that Jesus didn't just die for our sins but that he's also promised a certain hope that lasts beyond the grave for all who believe. As Romans 4.25 says, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Or in other words, he died on the cross in our place, paying for our guilt and shame, but he was raised to life as a way of bringing us into a right relationship with God forever. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. The good news that Jesus has risen from the grave is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. It's because Jesus has risen from the grave that we can be sure that there is no eternal judgment for those who trust in Jesus. As Romans 8 tells us this wonderful news. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus' work on the cross calls us to repent, that we may know this certainty of being forgiven, being made right with God now and into eternity. And it's because Jesus is risen from the grave, that we can know Jesus is who he says he is. 
whenever you hear about some sort of natural disaster or, or catastrophic event, you'll hear people, first of all, telling you that they're praying and secondly, talking about some sort of vague hope of life after death. The sort of hope that somehow God might forgive them at the end of life for all of the wrong things that we've done. But it's only when we believe in the good news that Jesus has risen from the grave, when we pin our eternity on that hope, that we're able to know the certain hope of heaven, even in uncertain times, no matter what our circumstances are. The women on the road and the two disciples on the road to Damascus were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus, along with the disciples, of course. They were witnesses to these events and they received enough proof for them to be convinced, for them to pin the rest of their lives on this good news, to, that it would be their life's purpose. And these events and this good news has been recorded in God's word and handed down to us so that we too can be witnesses to this good news, so that we too can pin our lives on this news and that it could be our life's purpose as well. This world is longing for good news. Amongst all of the chaos, amongst all of the confusion, and amongst all of the doubt. For those with hope in the resurrection of Christ Jesus, death has lost its sting. We've been given eternal victory over death and over sin through our Lord Jesus Christ because he has risen from the grave. Let's praise our Saviour now because he is risen. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you because you have made a way for us who have rebelled and sinned against you to be brought into right a right relationship with you. We praise you because you loved us so much that you gave up your one and only son that we might be restored to you. And we praise you because it was not finished in the grave, that you raised him to the life so that our story might not end at the grave but may go into eternity. Lord, we pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, that we would take Paul's advice and remember that this good news is of first importance, that it is the most important part of who we are as followers of Jesus, the good news that Jesus is risen and that he has risen for us. And we pray all this, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.